Pharisee, I preach the gospel I follow the apostles, you follow Pentecostals You're not reformed, so that's a risk I believe the five points like an asterisk I repent, but you're in sin still I spit rhymes and Fernando does a windmill Here we go, and welcome to another episode of SolarCast It's your boy, Pastor Christian Anderson And with my man, Jimmy De Los Santos How you doing, Pastor Chris? I'm Pastor Henry Knox What's up, Pastor Chris? What's going on, y'all? Hey, what's going on, brothers? Y'all doing well? Doing good, good, man. Unseasonably warm weather in the Dallas-Fort Worth area right now. And I just like, you know, you know, it's December and I shouldn't have to go out and it's 80 degrees outside. Yeah, you know, I don't remember wearing shorts this late into the season, man. I'm still I'm still in my shorts. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to milk it for all yeah. I can. You know, I look at the weather and I say, OK, 75 today shorts. No, that's been perfect to me, man. Like I'm telling y'all after the Texas snow apocalypse, I'm not complaining about weather anymore. <laughs> like I am like Job, like God is too wonderful for me. I put my hand over my, my, uh, my uh, mouth. He brings the rain and the sunshine both. So I'm, I am I am happy as a lark because, you know, 75 in the evening with my kids playing in the sun in the middle of December. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> my my regular job being in the energy industry, we, we had to get through a lot when it came to that because a lot of power was out because of yeah. the storm. It was one of the things that successes that they called out yesterday in like the year end meeting uh, that we had in uh, yeah. successes was getting past winter storm Yuri. Mm. Right. And I'm sitting there listening to the, you know, to the points, to the bullet points there that they're talking about. And it strikes me that we would give him a name like Yuri. Like, where does that name even come from? Right. Like, it, it sounds Russian almost to me. Like, <laughs> here's, here's the enemy. Winter Storm Yuri. I was, I was, I was sitting there going, uh, well, you know. Is it communist too? Or? I don't know. I have no idea. It's a natural uh, event that happens, right? Like mm. snow. Right. I mean, weather, it happens, weather happens. And so sometimes uh, we forget, right, that uh, God can do whatever he wants with the weather. Yeah. And if it affects our electricity, our man-made electricity, we get all in a, you know, in a huff. I think that we, we, rem- we got to remember uh, we should be prepared. You know, with something <laughs> like logs for the fire or something Absolutely. like that, you know, and, and just Absolutely. be prepared for whatever might happen. But I mean, in the end, winter, that winter storm was fun to me a little bit. I mean, my power never went out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for you, bro. I mean, it wasn't fun for me, you know, sleeping in teen degree weather. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Uh, but anyway, I mean, we were talking about names. Sir. You have an announcement, Chris? You got a different name? Yeah, yeah. Let's get to that. So we get to our, <laughs> so we get to our topic, right? Yeah, so I, we just want to go ahead and make a, a quick announcement here on the show, because I don't think we've, we've talked about it yet on the show, but we have started releasing it on social media. We talked about it with our congregation. Most people out there that are listeners, faithful listeners to the show know that uh, we are part of a church, uh, all three of us, me, Jimmy, Pastor Henry, we help lead a church, Ecclesia. It's a church that uh, was planted over, uh, well, it's not over, it's just going to be five years in January. Yeah. So a church that we planted uh, going to be five years ago, Ecclesia, and, uh, you know, God has been, uh, you know, moving and working through the church. Uh, so a couple of uh, weeks ago, a few weeks back, anyway, we announced to our church that, uh, you know, me and my family and maybe a few others from the church, a uh, little core team are going to be sent out to plant another church, right? So uh, pretty soon here in the early, in early 2022, uh, we're going to be planting a redemptive city church in the city of Dallas. So, uh, 
you know, in the future, it looks like we'll be maybe advertising two churches at the end rather, <laughs> rather than one, right? <laughs> but, you know, uh, you know, just praise God that, you know, it, it, it is, uh, it's basically an extension from Ecclesia, our, our ministry that we've, uh, you know, been loving and serving with for the past few years. So it, it's, uh, we're excited as a church too, because it's our first church plant. You know, we've never, we've never done this in the life of a church. It's been a busy year for us. You know, we, we um, called our first deacons and so forth. Uh, we merged. And then now, you know, earlier in 2022, we're going to plan our first church. So, you know, we're all about the work of the kingdom. You know, we're not trying to, you know, build our own platforms or anything. We just want to, you know, just kind of expand and, and share the gospel and the good news. And this world is in need of more healthy churches. So that's that's the reason why we're doing it. I mean, there's not really, a, you know, a big story behind it all. You know, a lot of people might say, oh, you know, are you, did you guys have issues with the church or, or anything like that? No, there's, there's nothing like that. It's just that we just feel that, you know, there needs to be um, more healthy churches in, in various places, particularly in the city. So uh, that's what we're doing. And we're heading out early next year, 2022 to do that. So Absolutely. praise God. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, I think one thing, you know, and, th- and this is not tooting our own horn. This is not any form of arrogancy, I promise. But, you know, you know, when you look at the landscape of churches, especially in uh, any city, Dallas, which is where me and, Chris, me and Pastor Chris have kind of, you know, had our churches, you know, when we did church plant before we even merged, you know, um, it is a level of, of of anemic teaching in those particular spaces. We're talking about Oak Cliff, talking about inner city Dallas, even parts of like North Dallas is very seeker sensitive. And so we just honestly feel like if we can, you know, extend, you know, the true gospel, true exegetical preaching, true community in terms of the local body and in, in the, in the Christian faith, then why not? You know, because I mean, you know, somebody will send a, a message on Facebook and they're like, hey, where's the solid church in Dallas? I'm traveling through. And then I really only have two places that I send people. I mean, yeah. that I really trust, you know. Um, and so, it, I mean, it definitely needs to be more than that. So we pray God uh, in this extension, he might extend this extension and he might continue to keep growing. So I agree. The other night when we were having a, a men's Bible study at the church. Uh, we had a guest that came in who's been visiting the church uh, recently. Yeah. And uh, at the end of it, you know, we were talking about some of the things that we do at the church, some of the way the liturgy goes in the church and the reasons that we do those things. Uh, really good conversation. But he stepped up and said, you know, I, when I looked, I was looking for a reform, reformed church. They're hard to find. So this is uh, when he said that I was like, yeah, man, we need more of those out there. So we're really excited uh, to see Pastor Chris uh, set out. And, you know, in his gifting, he's a church planter. He had planted Ecclesia. And one of the things that was, uh, you know, said in that announcement meeting that we had with the congregation that is uh, Ecclesia is now established. Yeah. Right. Uh, When we started out, we were in, I think, three different locations, temporary locations. (laughs) Uh, And then, you know, and then the growth just started to happen. And, uh, you know, God started moving and we started praying for a building and God answered that prayer in a mighty way, right? And so now we're in, we're established, we have a building, we have a place um, that's established. And, and uh, I, th- I think at that point, Chris was like, okay, it's time to go start another one, you know, which is what I believe, uh, you know, Chris's gifting is, he's, mm-hmm. he's uh, resourceful in that way. And I would say this, this is funny, don't, I'm not trying to toot Pastor Chris's horn here, but uh, <laughs> he, he knows people. And it's, it's important, like one of the, uh, I guess, the uh, attributes of a church planner is to know other people. Yeah. Where's networking in general? Yeah, I mean, networking yeah. in general. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Who knows? Who knows what? Who knows? Where can I go for this? Where can I go for that? And Chris is ever resourceful in that area. So you know, finding people that can help with this or help with that, and ultimately 
uh, get the job done. And, and that's, I think, the even exemplifies the way the body is, right? So, hey, Chris, you're probably going to end up getting a lot of questions after this, you know, so we'll just, you know, we'll let you have that. Refer them to me, yeah. Yeah, we're going to refer them to you when they ask <laughs> yeah. about Redemptive City. Yeah. And uh, yeah. now that's the name of the church, right? Redemptive City? Redemptive City, yeah, yeah. So I ask for, you know, the audience for, to pray for us, pray for both Ecclesia, Ecclesia and uh, pray for the new church plant that, that God would, uh, you know, allow us to continue the work in the city and to, you know, glorify Him, right? And so that's the mission of the church to go make disciples, glorify God. That's what we want to do. We want to do that in, in you know, places like Pastor Henry said that it's needed, you know, difficult places, hard places, rough places, whatever. Yeah. Uh, we want to go there and, and be the light uh, in the darkness. But anyway, yeah, I see where you're going there, Jimmy. Let's get to these questions. Uh, so, <laughs> so what we wanted to do on this episode, because we've had a few questions come in in our inbox that have been just sitting there. So we wanted to get to them and, and, and answer them. So every once in a while, our listeners know we'll do a Q&A episode. Uh, we announced it a little late this week. Uh, so we didn't get a lot of questions when we put it on social media because it was a little, a little late, but we also already had some questions. So we want to go ahead and tackle these. So what I'm going to do is just ask some questions, guys, and you know we'll just go around the table and answer them here. So I think they're pretty good this time. Got some pretty good questions that came in. So let me just go ahead and go with the first one. Uh, you guys mentioned that God has spoken and that the word is the word of God and that pastor's word is equal to the Bible since they're claiming it's from God. Does that mean that God has done speaking and that the Bible is his last spoken word? So I, I, I'm guessing what they're saying there is that, uh, you know, if a pastor speaks uh, and he says he's speaking on behalf of God, then we need to put that in the category of the Bible because he's speaking God's word. That, that's kind of, I think we threw that out there one time when we were talking about maybe cessation or prophecy yeah. or something like that. So mm-hmm. uh, I guess the question is, has God stopped speaking or is the Bible his last spoken word? You know, yeah, I just want to clean up, clean up a small thing in the context and I'll let you go, Jimmy, is that um, when we said, if a pastor is speaking on behalf of God, then he's speaking for God. We don't believe that. We don't hold that position. We would hold the position and say, no, my, my sermon, Chris's sermon, uh, Jimmy's sermons or, or whatever's going on is being preached is not the canon of scripture. If scripture's canon has been closed. We receive knowledge from God, wisdom of God, and we preach the gospel. But our word is not equal to a herald of the of God's word, like uh, like a, like a prophet, like Isaiah or Jeremiah, whatever. So, sorry, excuse me. No, yeah. no, it's okay. It's okay because you're saying the same thing I was about to say. Okay. And what I how I would say this, I, I don't know that we stated all pastors' words are equal, right? Like <laughs> some pastors just don't fit the bill. And I would say I would say this: uh, the definition, definitionally, a pastor is supposed to exposit the word faithfully, and if he does so, he's proclaiming the truth from God's word, right? But to the question, yeah, God has spoken. <laughs> God has spoken, and it's 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 that simple. He he has the right to speak again, though. I would say that, right? Uh, he can do what he wants, but in His word, He has stated this, and mm-hmm. God's not a liar. Right. So a couple of couple of verses uh, to go with this. Hebrews one, one and two says this. I testify to everyone who hears the words of this, the, of the prophecy of this book. If anyone I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong one. <laughs> God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the pro- in the prophets and many portions and in many ways in these last days has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Basically saying this. God spoke to us previously through his prophets Mm -hmm. in the scriptures, right? Right now, in this age, he's spoken to us through his son, Jesus Christ, 
right? And that's the writings of the New Testament. Now, what I was accidentally reading was the next verse I was going to have with that was Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19, where he says, uh, I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life, from the holy city, which are written in this book. And I, I think that what where I have a problem with maybe the, not, not the context of the question, but in, in people that say God spoke to me, my experiences with that is that when people say God spoke to me, mm-hmm. God told me, it's usually self-serving. Example, I had a young lady come to me and say, God spoke to me and told me I could get a divorce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? When God's word is clear, that right. God hates divorce. Right. And so you, you can see that it's written for a certain reason so that we can go to the go to the word of God and look at ourselves as we truly are. When when I can just willy nilly and I use that, I've gotten in trouble for saying willy nilly. <laughs> but but uh, when I just go and say that God spoke to me, I can be self-serving in that. Yeah. I can say God spoke to me and said, I'm supposed to be this guy. Right. And you need to listen to me because God spoke to me. No, God's word is, is final. And we are called just to exposit his word. That's yeah. that's my answer to that question. I would hold everything uh, to what Jimmy's saying. I, I'll, I'll take a different approach because you said pretty much everything spot on. Right. Um, so so typically when, when people say this, you know, when, when they when they say, you know, is, is God still speaking or or whatever. I, I think just change the word speaking. And please forgive me for the person who's asking the question. But sometimes we have to kind of answer questions behind questions, right? Um, so when we say that God is not speaking, we mean, you know, you know, the, you know, the full revelation of God has been revealed. It's done, right? We are not saying that God is not working today. We are not saying that God doesn't provide us with uh, conviction, or God may give us an unction, right? So there is a definite unction of the Holy Spirit. I, I think that's more, more of a correct theological term. Maybe somebody is very innocent and they're saying, hey, God spoke to me and told me to do this or whatever. Well, I mean, in the terms of speaking, I wouldn't use that language, but the Holy Spirit may have prompted them like he does us all. Like God will, you know, God will give, give me an unction and say, hey, it's, it's not safe, safe to go over there. You need to stay home today. Or, yeah. or, 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 hey, um, you know, God will lay something on, on my heart. I have no idea, but I, I got to go out and I got to get this gift for this person or whatever, right? Um, so there's a difference between the unction of God and speaking forth truth of God that is canon scripture, right? So we don't believe in the secondary, we believe in the former, is that God does provide providence. He gives us unctions. He gives us things that we need to do as far as being convicted of sin, those type of things. So I would just add that to that that, that particular question is that <clears throat> we don't believe that God is any less powerful or he's working any any less of, of in his providence. He definitely does. But as Jimmy said, as scripture says in Hebrews 1, 2, is that in these last days, God is speaking. God has spoken by his son. His son is the word and the word is all we need. Yeah. Can I, can I just really quickly go back to your word unction and just like for Anybody that doesn't oh, yeah. know, what that, know what that word means, say like, like a urging, a leading, a pulling towards uh, towards uh, doing yeah. something, right? Yeah. Uh, we've all had that where the Holy Spirit has just nudged us in a certain way and said, uh, do this. And then when you do it, you realize, man, that was all Holy Spirit. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah. So, it, but even it, but even in those, and and the reason why we make these distinctions, because even in those, I, I agree with you, brothers, that there is a, a tugging, a, an unction. There's a prompting by the Spirit. He leads. He guides us. Yeah. Uh, but even in those things. In our flesh, we can't be 100% sure that it is the Holy Spirit. Right. So we, we can't say this is the authoritative word of God when we feel a certain way, right? Or uh, when we, we feel like we're being lead, led a certain way. And we can't, we can't say uh, with 100% correctness that this or whatever I feel is the will of God uh, because, you know, we're, we're fallen, we're, we're finite, we're not, uh, we're not the Spirit. Uh, we, can, we can examine, we can go to the, the Scriptures to see if it's confirmed by the text. We can seek counsel in and others, as, as the Bible tells us to, uh, but just to go off of feelings and promptings and urges, we have to be careful there too. I mean, we have to kind of, you know, uh, take that a little further and, and, and examine it by God's word. Let me just read from the Confession of Faith, chapter one. I'm just going to read the last verse there. Therefore, the Holy Scriptures are absolutely necessary because God's former ways of revealing His will to His people have now ceased. One important thing there is revealing His will have now ceased, right? We don't mean that God, again, like we're saying, the Spirit does prompt and lead. If you want to say that God is speaking to us in those ways, then yes, we do agree that God is still moving in, in certain ways. Also, through the light of nature. I mean, when we talk about the way God reveals himself, it's not only through special revelation, but it is through natural revelation as well. And I think through the light of nature, he's still revealing himself, especially to sinners. There is this uh, way that God still reveals himself and speaks. But when we're talking about the revealed will of God, the special revelation, what we are to do, what we are commanded by God, then yeah, that that has stopped and that is only found in God's word. In other words, someone can't come to you and say, God told me to tell you, you need to do this. No, that that's we don't know if that's God's will or not. We right. know that the scripture is God's will, but we can't go by uh, all these leadings and promptings and feelings, or God told me this, or God told me that, because again, we believe that in scripture, God has spoken his will and it is final. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I like what you're saying, Pastor Chris, and I, I, it made me think about, you know, there's a scripture that says God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, right? That's the in Romans where it talks about, uh, have you, you know, uh, are you taking his grace for granted, basically? And, but his kindness was meant to lead you to repentance, any any uh, born again believer that has been brought to repentance and has forsaken his sin will be led to the scriptures, right? That they'll man. When I came to Christ, I had a desire to read the Word of God. I had a desire to try to find out who who is this man that I've been told about, and that's the only way to find out about Jesus Christ is through His Word. And so I, you know, I think that's important for us to remember. Absolutely, man. Amen. This next one's interesting. So should we have birthdays or other celebrations on the Lord's Day? I think I read that wrong because, I mean, you can't help it if your birthday lands on Sunday. Should we have a birthday? <laughs> I think it's meant to say, should we have a birthday celebration or any other type of celebration on the Lord's Day? So on yeah. Sunday, should we, should we be celebrating these things? I don't want to be legalistic when I answer this question, <laughs> but I would say personally, if, a, if birthday lands on a Sunday... The, have the party on Saturday so that you don't infringe on others' Lord's Day celebration, right? I think it's simple as 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 being you know um, cognizant of the fact that people you know spend the day getting ready for church, going to church, mm -hmm. going to worship, uh, and maybe getting some rest on that day, and 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 this and that. So why infringe upon their Lord's Day celebration when you could just as easily have a Saturday uh, celebration of that birthday? So for me personally, I, and I, I'm not trying to be legalistic. I just I think it's an easy answer. Let's not infringe on it. Let's not hinder people from 
you know, getting ready for church, going to church and spending time in their community and stuff like that. I, does that make sense? Yeah, that's a good practical answer. I, I, th- I think that's spot on. We've we've always done that. So like if I, if, if, if my, I think my birthday this year falls on a Sunday. Uh, and oh, yeah, it's one little uh, historical tidbit, by the way. Uh, <laughs> the Eastern Orthodox Church uh, celebrates Christmas on January 6th. So, you know, sorry. For oh, me. so I'm, I get to keep my tree up then. <laughs> <laughs> right. But but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, um, I'll, I'll, I'll give more of a spiritual aspect to it is that, you know, uh, and again, I'm, I'm not saying this is a law. This is this is my personal conviction is that I really as much as I can, you know, granted, if, if, it, if we have any church stuff going on or whatever, um, I, I try to let the Lord's Day be the Lord's Day. Right. A, a day of rest, a, a day of a day of reflection upon Jesus Christ. Right. And so we've always historically practically uh, practically had birthdays on Saturdays because it's just a lot easier or Friday evenings. Right. Um, but from a spiritual standpoint, I, I would definitely say, you know, you do want to lay aside um, that time to reflect upon God's goodness, right? Take that day of rest like we have been commanded to. And to, and to me, you know, having a birthday party, I don't know. I don't know about anybody else's situation, but like with my kids, it's like, it's like a big what to do. And it's like so much work you're doing. So I would be personally convicted doing that amount of work um, on that day, you know, but somebody else may, may feel different. They, they may want to celebrate. They may feel like celebrating is doing that good, right? That good thing on the, on the Sabbath. I just personally wouldn't, wouldn't go there, but that's a personal conviction, not anything set in stone, uh, but that's just my position. This also has to do is with the matter of where do you come down on the Sabbath? Like, are you, do you believe in a Christian Sabbath that we need to take one, uh, one day to rest uh, and cease from our works, you know, and, and so forth. And, and I'm like you brothers, I, I, I like to make sure that Sunday is not like any other day, that Sunday is different, you know, and, mm. and I, I told my kids that too. It's like, I, I want you to, you know, not be on your, your tablets and, and your, your games that you do uh, Monday through Saturday, yeah. because, because, you know, being on your games is like every other day. But I want you to know that Sunday is a different day it is a time where we 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 set aside and we reflect on on god's goodness and uh you know we we um you know we worship god and so forth so uh, i think a lot of has to depend on that and i agree is that when you when you uh fill your day with so many you know things like recreation and so forth man it's easy to lose track of resting in god and 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 contemplating on god's goodness and so forth because i mean think about if you're planning a party you're thinking about that sunday morning during the service, you're thinking about, you know, what you got to get, you know, what you got to do, uh, you know, where you got to go and so What you got to finish, what you got to buy. Right, right. <laughs> and, and, you know, and we used to do that. You know, we used to, before I, you know, got into Reformed Theology and started seeing the uh, the command, you know, the law, the Sabbath and so forth. Sunday was just like any other day. I would just feel it. We, we, we would, you know, go out, do things, hang out, party or whatever. But, you know, I, I slowly but surely I started. And it's, it's different, too, because you got family members and friends that don't understand this, right? Yeah, but yeah. slowly but surely we started saying, yeah, we, we, we don't want to do that on Sunday. We're not going to do that on Sunday. We're just going to, you know, we're going to stay home. We're going to make it a different day. Yeah. Yeah. Recently, we were given the option of doing, uh, we were invited to do something. And the options were December 5th and December 6th. And we looked at the, the calendar and December 5th lands on a Sunday. And uh, before I could even answer the question, Chris had already answered and said, December 6th works for me. <laughs> I was like, I, was like I, I, I get the sentiment, right? Yeah. The sentiment yeah. because, you know, it, it's important. I think, Chris, you have family worship on, on Sunday evenings. 
Yeah, well, we don't have we don't have service on Sunday evenings. Sorry, guys out there that, that think that's a sin. We just we just don't have it. <laughs> I know I know some guys are hardline about not having services on Sunday evening, but yeah, we don't have service on Sunday evening, so we got to yeah. make shift the service with family worship. Maybe someday, you yeah. know. And and then there's you know it's a, there's already people wanting to have a, a service on a Wednesday night, you know. Yeah, it's a little yeah. something to get together, you know, sing and stuff like that. So I mean, it's possibility in the future. I don't know. Yeah, let's go to let's go to another one. Oh, this one's interesting. This one's gonna probably uh, cause some controversy here. Uh, <laughs> does Scripture support women serving in the deacon role? It seems clear on women not being a pastor, but I'm unsure about the deacon. I'm gonna say this. I, I looked at something. Uh, the Greek word for deacon is diakonos. Yeah, right, which uh, simply means uh, minister or uh, servant, uh, assistant or attendant. Uh, you know, servant basically. And so there are women serving in servant roles, right? There are women that are that serve their churches that do well serving their churches. But I think that in the context of you know First Timothy three, um, you're looking at uh, what is addressed formally as the office of deacon. So there's a distinction to be made, right? Uh, to say if they're seeking the office of deacon, that in First Timothy chapter three is addressed to men, right at the beginning. Yeah. If a man desires the office of an overseer, and then later on in the chapter, they, they start talking about the office of deacon. So I think there's, I think there's a little bit distinction to be made in the question is, are you saying women can't serve? Of course, women can serve. Women do serve. And so in, in, that, in that capacity, yes, they can be diakonos. They can be attendants. They can be ministers. They can be servants. In the office of deacon, though? I think there, there, there needs to be, you know, something to be said for the fact that First Timothy 3 addresses that to men. And so if we're going to go by scripture, does the office allow for women? I've been at churches where the office is filled by women, uh, but not at Ecclesia. So mm -hmm. I, I don't know if that's going to change in the future because I'm not. <laughs> no, it's not, not that I know of. It's not going to change at all. I, I, I think that, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head at the beginning of your statement, Jimmy. I think when you look at Timothy 3, um, it is in the context of speaking to Timothy, who is going to be the pastor or the elder at Ephesus. He's talking to men, young men, this young man, right? And the whole context of Timothy 3 is talking to men in terms of the area of corporate official worship on the Lord's day, in the Lord's house, in, in the church, Right. So I don't, I mean, again, I, I, I see where theologians have done it. And I, I, I spent some time on this one because I was like, you know what? I want to be right on this, right? But it's like, you know, you know to me, I, I hold the position that many other theologians hold that it just seems really odd that Paul would address everything to men. And then in the middle of uh, Timothy 3, all, all, all of a sudden in verses 8 through 10 or 12 through 13, he, he makes this shift where he allows women and then goes back to men. It just doesn't make any sense to me within the context of that passage. Right. Uh, now, somebody may argue, may have a different position, but I think scripture is clear. I, I think that um, when you look at um, uh, when he talks about, I think people point to Phoebe, right? I think it's in Romans. Romans 16. Uh, yeah, Romans, Romans uh, 16, right? Um, Paul does this a lot, but he does it like all the time. So he points out people who have wronged him. He points out people who are great. He gives them commendations. I think that's, that's all Paul is doing in Romans 16, 1, is giving Phoebe, obviously, she was a very special woman. She was, a, he, he said, he said, and, and she's been the benefactor of many saints, right? So obviously, this woman worked and 
and was a true servant of God. But I think that when he uses diakonos in that case, he's just simply talking about somebody who is to be honored as a servant in the church. And yes, give her any help that she needs, because this obviously this lady was a very honorable lady. Right. Right. I don't think he's putting her in the office. I don't think he's putting her above men. I don't think he's, you know, telling you to, to, to sort of bow down to her. I think he's simply talking about her actions in the church have breeded with the reputation that she has. She is an honorable woman full of the faith, and she needs help in every area. Please give it to her. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think Phoebe is a place where people go to make the argument that we can have female deacons in the church or the, or the Bible allows it. But I think you, both of you guys are right. that That's, that's just, uh, Paul is describing just a servant, not an office of a servant. I also think that where this, a lot of this pushback comes from in 1 Corinthians 3 is with the wives there, the, the, the original Greek. I believe it's Kenakis. It also it's also translated as women too. So it's not necessarily it doesn't necessarily just mean wives. And then also there it says likewise uh, there. So likewise the women. So some people in the original Greek will say, yeah, that's not really it's not really definite. Where we can say it is speaking only to males. Uh, also, you know, uh, they mention some people mention that you know in the elders' qualifications he doesn't mention the the wives. He he, he only mentions it to deacons, right? So why would uh, Paul do that? But but I think if if you, you're taking issue with chapter with verse eleven of First Timothy chapter three, they're wise likewise. But like you said, Pastor Henry, right in verse twelve, it goes back to uh, let let deacons each be husband of one wife. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean. Right. So it's like why would he kind of you know switch back and forth and just kind of change there? Uh, and I think you know just just the office in general. I mean, you're thinking about a, an office of a deacon who is supposed to you know be these servants and recognize servants of the church, recognize assistance of the church, and so forth. I, I see that as holding some type of you know leadership, authoritative office in the church because we ordain deacons, right? We are we ordain them, and so forth. Absolutely. We set them aside and we recognize them. These are these are leaders in this church. These are people that when the elders are are not there, the deacons are going to step in and fulfill certain roles uh, that the uh, that, that the elders normally do. Uh, so if that's the case, then yeah, we would say that then the deacons probably have to be males if the, if at times they're going to have to step in and fulfill the work of the elders. Absolutely, yeah. I mean. I think that that's perfect. And, and also, too, just to kind of add to that, is that the book of Corinthians is very practical. Paul talks about behavior. You know, he's, he opens the book, uh, chapters one, one through four. Your behavior is causing division. Your behavior is causing uh, the word of God to be blasphemed. Behavior, behavior, behavior. So that's talking about behavior. But first Timothy is clear. He's telling Timothy how to vet men for the office of a deacon. For the office of a bishop, pastor, I, I think I think I, th- I, th- I think Corinthians is a different admonishment. And Paul is speaking to the church about behavior. In First Timothy, he's speaking directly to Timothy about vetting people for the office, and those offices can only be filled by men. Good stuff, guys. Let's go. To, let's go on to another one. So this one's an interesting one that came in uh, on Instagram. Thoughts on Theos U, which is uh, Theos University. I know we didn't really have a lot of time to look this one up, uh, but this is, from what I understand, uh, a Bible course online. Uh, Jimmy, you 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 saw a little bit of this, right? Yeah, yeah. I I looked at it, and you know, he described. Uh, I, I watched a couple of videos that were there. Um, I would say this that. When you call something the Netflix of theology, I, I would just say, what? Hold on a second. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I was just a little put off by that, but then there's there's also, I, I it's hard for me to trust someone I don't know like this that, you know, because I've, 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 I've been 
duped before by you know and that's why you, you that's why you make fun of the, some of the books i got on my shelves because you know mm. uh some of those books are from people that you wouldn't read right uh, or that i wouldn't read now either because you know uh, like i said before uh jesse duplantis shouldn't be um a source for your theological understandings yeah but why was it on your nightstand instead of the bookshelf no, no, over bro, the other no, day no, bro? No, bro it was on that one <laughs> don't, don't don't make up stories it, it, it's one of those things i don't i don't know who this guy is um and i couldn't find um like you said earlier we agreed on this i couldn't find a statement of faith or, or a statement of you know confessionalism what what do i believe what do we believe what do we teach right and whenever i can't find that i i start to be a little skeptical why why are you hiding it Right. right. And so my, my question would become more of like, I'm not trying to discredit the guy, but if you want me to, you know, join, tell me what you believe so yeah. that I might, you know, come to a better understanding. You're going to find that in, in places like Ligonier and, um, and the different, uh, there's a lot of different resources we might go to, but they, they're, they're going to be plain about what they believe. Right. Yeah, and yeah. I think that that's important. I didn't find that when I went to that website, and that that's that's disturbing. As I was looking at the uh, at, at the site last last night, um, I, I I think the reason why people gravitate to Theosu, and again, I, I'm I, I don't want to make any definite statements, so please take my statements as just an implicit sort of uh, kind of cautionary uh, language, right? Um, but I, I think the reason why people gravitate towards it because there's a guy named Mike Lusso. And Mike Lusso has a YouTube channel. He's uh, done different videos with um, PragerU. He's done stuff with the Daily Wire before. He he, he goes around. He he inter interviews people about politics, right? And he's a very solid guy. And from and and from what he talks about in terms of like race and Christianity, he talks about racial issues a lot because he's he's a black guy. Um, uh, so it sounds good. Like I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, if. I could sort of, I guess, put a vote to the guy. I would say I would vote for him or whatever. But we have to be very careful with conservatism, right? And Christianity. There are two different things. So I think that's where the popularity comes in it is that, you know, they may be solid guys. And, you know, but I, I, I think a person who is unwilling to put their beliefs out there, it, you, you, you want to sort of, if you are going to proceed, just proceed with caution, right? But my, my prompting is always like, if, if your beliefs are not out there, you're obviously not putting your beliefs out there for a reason. And <clears throat> typically it's to sort of keep the peace between groups who have, you know, as wild beliefs over here as they do over here. Um, so that's sort of a cautionary thing. But I think that they are a quote unquote conservative, but we have to really, really watch out because every conservative is not a Christian. And that, that's kind of my hesitation, too, is that we couldn't even listen to some of these videos without paying for it. Yeah. So, I mean, I couldn't really, you know, grasp Like you, you brother said, it could be solid. It could be great. But we just don't know. I mean, we, it, there was no statement of faith there to know, uh, you know, anything more about them. Also, you know, the whole thing, I, I did see something on there where they were talking about, you know, their position themselves as this course that gives you what Bible college tries to give you uh, quicker and, and cheaper. Now the cheaper thing I agree with, cause you know, going to Bible college, it is, it is expensive. <laughs> 
But I don't see anything wrong with, you know, I mean, hey, we're going to be studying the Word of God our whole lives. There's something good about taking your time to study the Word of God Mm -hmm. and not trying to do it, you know, in a, you know, we want everything fast food these days, right? We want everything so quick. Like, let me give me, let me get a bite here, a sound bite there and and just kind of feed me. But no, I mean, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, when you're studying the Word of God, take your time. There's no need to be in a rush. We're going to spend our whole lives uh, and, you know, the the, the Word of God is so deep and rich and we're never going to, as Spurgeon said, we're never going to get to the bottom of that ocean. Mm -hmm. Uh, it is it is something that we're going to be studying our whole lives. So I don't think that we need to look for courses or, or these trainings or whatever to kind of get theology really quickly. I mean, take your time, study, get get into discipleship program, get 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 with your local church and so forth, and and learn the word of God over over time and years. And I think that's a good way to to, to study God's word. So here's one, guys: Isn't Christian rap modeling the world? The intro and outro of your podcast has Christian rap, but it's talking about putting someone in a headlock. And that someone looks like Suge Knight. <laughs> to me, that's not much different than Hillsong or Bethel. I want to say this, okay? So, just so you know, right? Christian rap is a genre that, if you, you know, depending on who you listen to, packs a lot of theological punch. I'm sorry, if you haven't given it a chance, go listen to some theological rap, and you'll find some guys out there that are very theological and able to to use their gifting. By the by, the way, the giftings that God has given you, you were using in the world. Right. And so we wouldn't begrudge a, a, a singer like I've heard country singers that that, you know, put out a gospel album because that's their roots. And that's, you know, maybe who they are, uh, who are just meant, man, that was good stuff. You, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if you don't really like this, but Elvis Presley, you know, he put out a gospel album that I really enjoyed. Right. Um, and I, I thought, you know, well, I, I don't think that he was a Christian. But man, he he did a service right there in that because he was a talented musician. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would say that to me, when I see the question or heard the question, when I looked at the question, I thought, well, you're being a little legalistic there. And I, 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 I would say we need to give musicians the opportunity to use their gifts. If they come to Christ, yeah, be in the band, right? Use the gifting that God has given you. But I will say, I will say this. The problem that we have with Bethel and Hillsong is that their music leads you to their teachings, Right. And their teachings are heretical. That's the problem that we have that one. If you want to go to uh, Wrath and Grace, I'll tell you the, the name of the album that we used the, for the intro, the outro. The, 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 it's a, it's a, the song is called The Skit Audition. Yeah. Right. And it's a parody. It's just it's a parody. It's fun. a joke. Yeah. It's a joke. And um, it's, on a, it's on an album by Wrath and Grace called The Calling. Go and listen to the rest of the album and see if you don't agree to their theology. Their teachings are, are good. And really, I will, I will say this. It's supposed to be taken lightly, um, but there is some truth in the opening words, right? And I will say this. This is the reason that, uh, you know, I, I was the one that gave this song to Pastor Chris and said, Chris, this should be our intro and outro. And the words. Yeah, that, so blame that, him. Blame Jimmy yeah, blame, for that. Blame me. <laughs> listen, listen, I, I would say this. The thing that, that kind of connected with me when I heard it the first time was this statement. I follow the apostles. You follow Pentecostals. Right. And, <laughs> and, you know, we can make light of it, but I grew up in a Pentecostal church. Right. And I'd much rather be following the apostles as I do today than following the Pentecostals that I did in the, in, back in the day. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so this is, this is one of the reasons that we, that we go to the, cause there's a little bit, bit of truth in that parody. Yes. There's a little bit of truth in the jokiness of the song, but I will say, you know, um, we, this is probably the, the, the question we'd have the most 
since yeah. solo cast is like, yeah. what's that song at the beginning and the end of your of your thing? Uh, so now everybody knows what it is, so you don't have to ask the question anymore. But I will say this: we don't use rap songs in our worship on Lord's Day, mm-hmm. right? You know, it isn't it isn't uh, if if Ecclesia worship, let's just say, if Ecclesia worship got together and put out a uh, uh, an album you wouldn't find rap on there we would be singing worship songs and so i think that you know just to say this this the question itself sounds a little legalistic but i know that the guy appreciates us and he said hey i appreciate what you do and i appreciate that you know that you're that you're teaching what you're teach, teaching but i i would say that when it comes to the genre of christian rap um ultimately there are things in the world that can be redeemed, like a building. I've seen dance halls, and, or you know, my, my, my stepfather used to tell me that that used to be a, a bar, dance hall kind of place, and now it's a church. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sorry, but you can redeem things from the world. Yeah, I would definitely say so. Um, you know, we, we have to be careful with art just because art is so incredibly intricate. Art is very emotional. It's very broad as well. Like, I mean, art comes in all forms, music, movies, uh, uh, art, sculptures, paintings. Um, But I think music is very powerful. I I, I do put music in a whole nother category because I I think I think music uh, can convey a lot more than than you looking at a a painting or a sculpture or something like that. I, I think I think music music comes from God. You know, you know, music was invented by God, right? You know, you look right. at the heavenly host in Job 38 and 41 and things like that. You know, music came from God. I, I think different genres of music, how it has changed. I think you can get into a lot of minutiae in terms of opinion. But I would kind of kind of second what Jimmy's saying is like, we don't um, use uh, Christian hip hop or Christian rap, rap in the corporate worship of God. There are even certain certain Christian arts of uh, of like musical uh, taste that I personally like, but I wouldn't sing them on Sunday. You know, um, you know, if we've we've talked, we've actually discussed this before as an elder group. It's like you know, hey, if we ever had a program and the program was separated because somebody wanted to sing a song in the service and it's like yeah that's not i mean it's a beautiful song but it's not for corporate worship service but right. hey when we have fellowship you're welcome to grab a microphone we'll set it up you can sing da 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 whatever right is that jimmy was it mary was it mary did you know no <laughs> right but 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 that's a good a good example it's like you know you know we, you know we, you know we joke about it but but i've been in churches where these thoughts but these things will be performed and done in the corporate area of where worship is supposed to be and i don't believe it's supposed to be there right there are beautiful songs in the world that i personally sing and it brings tears to my eyes because it talks about the human condition but i wouldn't sing that in worship and adoration to god Right. Yeah. That's a I've very even, special place. I've even been in a church that had a dance group at the that would come to the front and yeah. out yeah. a song. And I'm like, oh my goodness, yeah. what's going on? Right here? <laughs> okay, I just yeah. uh, confession time before we get off this particular subject. Uh, they did the Spotify rap thing this last week, and on Slack we were all sharing. Yeah. You know, what What was our number? But I didn't want to share any of mine because I was a little like, okay, that's not going to work. <laughs> I, 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 I will tell you this. So, so Taylor my, Swift, my my number two Jimmy genre. Got, like, Death know, metal. No, t- t- Taylor Swift. No, no, no. <laughs> I got no Taylor Swift. I don't even know what she sounds like, bro. Number my number two <laughs> my number two genre. My number two genre is worship. Right? Okay. 
So that means my number one genre is not worship. Right? Yeah, so, what was number one? Number one is classic, classic rock. The fact of the matter is that, that I, I, when I go to work out, I usually have classic rock playing in my, in my earbuds or whatever, yeah. right, as I'm working out. And so that's probably why it was the number one genre. Um, and that's, it's funny because when I, when I looked at that and I thought all these people are displaying look at me, worship is my number one genre. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to be legalistic about it. I listen to some secular music and, yeah. you know, I'm not, that doesn't, that doesn't, you know, I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm yeah. just going to say. Now, I think we need to circle back on this and talk about Christian rap or just secular music in general. Cause yeah, I yeah. agree with a lot of what a lot of your brothers are saying. I think that, you know, music, first of all, we got to understand everything is created by God. Like you right. said, Pastor Henry, like this is art is created by God. He has given men gifts to express art. And um, that in itself is amoral, meaning it's not, it's not immoral. It's not Christian. It's not redeemed. It's not nothing. Music by itself is genre is amoral. Now it, it, it's what the individual, the center of the saint does with it, right? That it could become immoral. Like, but that doesn't mean that, you know, like you said, Jimmy, that we can't redeem some of this music. It, it has to do with the, the content. What is the content? Is it glorifying God? Is it, is it amoral? Is it a, just a joke, a parody? You know, then I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think, uh, you know, and, and again, we're not using it in a worship setting. We're not trying to, uh, you know, praise God through this, uh, you know, in, in the corporate corporate worship setting and so forth. So let's circle back on that one, though. That's a, that's a good topic. So uh, one last one. It's a little, little long, but hey, guys, it's obvious that women preachers are forbidden in the Bible. But I was wondering if you could further flesh out what constitutes a woman usurping authority in other aspects of church and theology. A couple of examples I have in mind would be things like a woman praying during worship service, leading the congregation in worship through song, teaching Sunday school classes where men attend. Also, how far would you extend women's not usurping authority, particularly in the area of writing books, hymns, etc.? One example I'd like your opinion on is the theological devotionals written by women. Should they be written only to and for women? Or is there a place for women to write a theological devotional for the general public, which would, of course, include men? Yeah, this question uh, came up in the Q&A, man. This is... This is a little bit difficult. Like, okay, so so it's not difficult in the areas that are explicit, right? So we just talked about uh, earlier about uh, deacons uh, and pastors definitely definitely in the Word of God. Uh, Definitely don't want to have a woman preaching. Definitely don't want to have a woman usurping authority over men in the corporate area of worship, right? Um, But man, when you get to like man, like, uh, like videos that are being recorded online or Bible studies or whatever, man, it's just, it, it's just all over the place because, uh, uh, uh I had a conversation with, uh, with, uh, with, with somebody and uh, we were talking about, you know, what do you do with a woman professor that teaches a specific, a specific topic or whatever? Um, you know, we was going back and forth and you know, I, I couldn't make heads or tails of it. Like I wouldn't, cause it's not a corporate area of worship. She's a teacher. What do you do with a Bible school school teacher? Like, you know, I, I think that we do a good job of making sure that we look at the kids' maturity. And if there is a male that is mature, we don't put him in a Bible class under a woman. Uh, but man, like, it's just so broad when you get outside of the bounds of corporate worship or the offices that God has laid down. Um, I, I think we have to take each one of those case, case by case. But yeah. to answer the question directly, I think that this is the reason why it is good to have solid deacons, solid elders, and solid membership, right? When a woman is usurping authority, within the context of what Paul is talking about, Paul was trying to calm Timothy down because Timothy was probably anxietous. He was having stomach issues. He was having people calling him a young man and trying to you know, put him down because he was taking over the church. And, and, and think about this for a second. 
Timothy is trying to fill Paul's shoes at Ephesus, right? So the context of that passage, is he's talking about women who were literally trying to put themselves above men and take over the church, right? So he's admonishing Timothy, no, here are the qualifications. This is what you need to do to keep this, you know, straight, right? And so I, I think within that context is that you have to be uh, very careful to observe and discern women or or I, I've even seen this in, in, in my cultural spaces where you'll have men try to usher women into certain offices. Like they'll say, well, if the man is called, then my wife is called too. No, bro. God called you. He didn't call her. You know, she doesn't fill the office. She's not a like a, a, a pastor, a, a sidekick or whatever. Right. Like she's a woman. She's a wife. She's a Christian full of the Holy Spirit. She can definitely help. She's a great servant, but she's not called to a particular office. Right. So, again, like it, it's so many different points that we can hit on. But I hope I'm answering the question directly is that those instances where you see women or men trying to push women in areas where they're not they're not supposed to be in by scripture. I think we can look at that as explicit and we should not allow that, that to happen. Let me read some scripture real, real quick. Um, this is Titus 2, starting in verse 1. Teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what, what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands. Mm-hmm. That the word of God may not be revoked. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Now, I, I would say there, it sounds like women can teach younger men. Well, that's normally their, what they do with their, with their sons, right? As they're growing up, they're usually the right. ones in the home and right. they, they've got more time. They, they're teaching their younger men. I think that when they get older, Older men should teach younger men. Young, uh, older women should teach younger women. Right. And, uh, and there's, there's a reason for that. I mean, it's not, it's not that we don't understand it. And we definitely, as, as Christian men, see that there are two genders, men and women. God created them, male and female. He created them. There's a reason for it. And, and men need to teach men how to be men, and women need to teach women how to be women. And so ultimately, when, it, when I look at the question, I'm, I'm looking at, at, at that. I think that Titus goes to that. I think there's something to be said about what, uh, what happens in 1 Corinthians 11, uh, where, you know, it's, there's, there's, there's something there that when you get to that verse, and you can't just skip over it, expository preaching teaches you, you go as, as, as verse by verse, you'll get to the verse that says women should be silent mm-hmm. in the church, and you're like, uh-oh, nobody wants to touch this, right? <laughs> uh, all the feminists are coming out of the, out of the woodwork now to kill us, right? Because we've said women should be silent, but get this, there's a head covering. That is that is talked about in uh, in in chapter eleven there of First Corinthians, and I think that when they're covered by uh, let's just say for example the worship team, uh, we have a worship leader. His name's Johnny, right? And Johnny kind of leads us as a as a worship team. Uh, but there are certain songs that uh, you know the lead singer leads in, and they you know got the right key. It sounds good for them, so they'll lead us in a worship song, and that 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 falls to a woman. But I think the covering there, and if we're going to give an example, would be Johnny being the worship leader, right? right? Uh, and so there, there's there's an example I can give you of that. Now, when it comes, it's to- also just leading in the the song, the the harmony, and so forth. Like it's not 
you know, we don't have wor- women, you know, these churches that we grew up in, Jimmy, right? Where the, yeah. the, the praise and worship leader would give like a little mini Bible study in between songs. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so I said, the Lord is saying this or that. We don't do right. that. Yeah, right. absolutely. And here's here's one last thing, and I would say that um, to, to to Pastor Henry's point, case by case kind of thing that you were just saying, there's a big difference between Sarah Young and Johnny Erickson Tata. Right, right. Big difference between those two women. Right now, if I pick it, if I pick up any book that's written by a woman, Chris is going to make fun of me, and I, that's happened to me in the past. And so, so, you know, but but it's only because it was Joyce Meyer, bro. Uh, maybe so, maybe so. And I, I, I have put the Joyce Meyer books away, but I, w- I will say, I will say this: that I think that there's something that we can learn by reading a Corey Ten Boom book, right? Um, because she went through something, um, and she went through quite a bit, and so learning from her, and you know, Johnny Erickson taught the same kind of thing. If you want to learn compassion. Right. Go read some Johnny Erickson Tata. You're going to be you're going to be moved. Right. By mm. what she's been through. Uh, but, you know, when you pick up Jesus calling, I think that there's hold on a second. Let's just make let's just make clear what, what we're reading. And um, I think that that needs to be something that is grown by your discernment. Right. God has given you discernment for for a particular reason and, and to know when to say, yeah, I'm not going to put this down. And one of the one of the things, just a practical kind of thing to look at. Who is endorsing <laughs> the book that is written or the devotional that is written by this woman? Go right. look at the, at the endorsement page. This is something I've learned from Pastor Chris, Pastor Robert, uh, Pastor Henry. Uh, hey, who's endorsing that guy? Right? If I go look and I, I see some solid people re- uh, endorsing this person, uh, might be worth a read. Right. Mm-hmm. But if not, if I go in there and I see, ah, I don't know about these people, who they are, what they, you know, I, I don't recognize anybody there. I might be wanting to put that down until somebody actually says, hey, that's that's a decent book to read or something like that. If your level of discernment isn't there. I think there's two questions kind of being asked here. One, you know, one is the corporate church setting. And then one is the, you know, outside the church setting when you're reading yeah. a, a book or anything like, or you're watching a video or something like that. And, you know, even in when we're dealing with that one question in the church setting, there's even different, you know, things that we can kind of flesh out even in that. You right. About, that's okay, what, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so worship leading a congregation, you know, uh, in prayer and, and song and so forth. Like, what does that look like? And I think, you know, just going back to, to the simple fact of why Paul wrote this, he, he wanted to, to show that, yeah, the, the male was created first in creation. And this needs to be kind of seen throughout the life of the church is that there, there is an order. There is a, that, that God has established with, with male headship there. And we see that not only in, in the family, but also in the church. So, you know, and in that, we would say, yes, that, that men should be the ones teaching and, and preaching and, and leading uh, the, the, the service. But again, if you have a woman singing on the microphone, is that really leading uh other than leading and again, like I said earlier, in harmony and and uh, you know in tune or whatever, I, I don't see that as a form of, of, of teaching or, or usurping any type of authority. I would even go so far as even you know praying. You know, if, if a woman is praying in a public setting, is she really usurping authority? Now, I will say, Ecclesia, we've never had a woman <laughs> pray in in, in, <laughs> yeah. in our in our in our corporate service, but you know, I, I'm not gonna. That's not a hill I'm willing to die on. There, I mean, I, I don't I don't see a form of teaching there. I mean, she's just she's she's praying and so forth. Uh, now, when you get outside of that and you you're talking about devotionals and, and stuff, stuff like that, then I think that's just a totally different conversation there. You're, I would be like, where are you, where are you learning from? Who's teaching you? Who's your main teacher? 
Right. If, right. if Joni Erickson's hot as your main teacher, other than your your pastor, then yeah, that's that's probably an issue there. You know, if you're looking more on videos of, uh, I don't know, Nancy Lee DeMoss, you know, more than you know your pat your male pastor or whatever, then yeah, that's that's probably going to be an issue. But if it's something to supplement outside of the context of the local church, and and someone has gifted you know one of these women to to teach and, and teach us something, then I think that's outside of the context that Paul was was writing about. Because again, these letters are written to. Um, either pastors or churches on how to conduct them themselves when when they when they come together and assemble in the local church, not necessarily when they're you know outside of that context. Yeah, I, I think I think that that we have to be you know very careful because you know we never want to have any offense being done against the God that we serve, right? And we want women to live out uh, the fullness of their potential and the possibility of what they're able able to do, right? So that's why I say like there are two different categories. There's the area of corporate worship, and then there's a whole bunch of things we can talk about in there. But like when it comes to like writing certain things, a blog, right? It's like when you get into the in, into that minutia, I think you have to judge it case by case. And I think Jimmy hit the nail on the head when he said you just got to use your better discernment, right? If you are being convicted because you know that you aren't, you know, listening to your pastor or that you aren't having resources that are worth worth the salt and you're getting all your Bible teachings from one area, I would definitely sort of be convicted on that. But if you're talking about a woman who's teaching a, a Bible study class to a group of adolescents or even younger, then use your better discernment to judge and see who's mature and who's not. Maybe we need to take one of those kids out of, out of the class. But maybe we need to let her teach the rest of them because she's just very good at teaching whatever subject she's teaching. And so I, I, I think we have to judge each one of them case by case because you never want to stifle uh, anyone. And that has been an issue in the church because many women have been stifled. And there's some ultra legalistic places where women are not even allowed to even speak one single solitary word. Yeah. And so we can go on the extreme end too. We have to be, that's why I say we just have to be careful. Or women sitting you know. on one side of the church and men sitting. Yeah. On it's like, it's <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, are, are, we, are we practicing, you know, some sort of Islamic faith or something like, you know, it's yeah. Jimmy, I know where you're going, bro. Oh, no, no, I'm not going to no, go there. Don't I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. Okay. <laughs> listen, listen, I, I do want to, I do want to add one, one last thing because uh, I know this question, this particular question is about women, but as I hear us talking about it, use your discernment on all of them. Right. Yeah. You can't just assume that it's because it's a man up there that he's teaching you the right thing. Uh, I also want to give one last thing. What does it mean to usurp authority? And I, I actually looked this up just so, so we could know the definition means to take power by force. Mm. Right. Yeah. And, and you think about that usurping authority. There's a there's a line that's crossed in that. Right. Is the power taken by force or is the power given to, you know, like we said, within the confines of what the Bible teaches us to like you, like what you said, Pastor Henry, for a woman to teach adolescents in a class and yeah. among, among them young men. Right. Yeah. So like that has to be taken into account, I think. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff, guys. Uh, appreciate you listeners out there submitting those questions. We'll, I'm sure we'll come back to another q and I like these. These are kind of fun. I'm uh, sure we'll come back to another Q&A shortly. But if you have any questions, any pushback, anything to add, go ahead and send us a message. You can find us online, www.thesolarcast.com. You can also find us on our social media sites, uh, on Instagram, at thesolarcast, and on Twitter, at solar underscore cast. And you guys are at? I'm at Los Jimmy. And I'm at Knox Broadcast. And I'm at C. Hernandez 214. Also, make sure you check out our partners at the uh, Bar Network. You can go to their website at thebarpodcast.com. 
thepartpodcast.com. Also, make sure you check out the Hearts for the Lost podcast. It just dropped, right? Yeah, we dropped. We just dropped the second one. We're, you know, Episode we two. Few, yeah, we've gotten a few reviews out there, and I'm really appreciative of the people. I know that me and Pastor Chris, we talked about how it's a it's a niche podcast that it only talks about evangelism. But I'm really appreciative of the of the folks that are really listening, you know, uh, giving us some reviews and saying, "Hey, it's good to have something about just this one subject that's really." Just to be honest with you, a lot of Christians have a hard time with evangelism. Yeah. So please give us a listen and the underlying ministry, heartsforthelost.com. Go check those that, that that out as well. Yeah, you guys are also part of the Bard Network now. Big news. Yeah, big news. Yeah. yeah. Really, really, so, really happy for that. Uh, cool. You know, excited to be a part of a, a great network, you know, yeah. great network of, of podcasts. Yeah. Also, make sure by the time this drops, we would already be recording it. It would have been out live. But make sure you go check out Bible Dingers. They got a, a YouTube channel, and we have uh, been we were guest on there yesterday. So when this comes out yesterday, <laughs> talking about speaking in tongues. So y'all, y'all make sure y'all, y'all check that out. Also, if you're in the Dallas area, you're looking for a good church to visit, make sure you check us out uh, at www.ecclesiachurch.org. We have services every Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m. bilingual, 11.30 a.m. English, and we're in the Mesquite area. But anyway, until next time. Let's get to the meet. Redemptive City coming soon. Yes, sir. Let's do it. Okay. I just made this beat right now. I'm MC Goya. Okay, listen. Hey, I'm on the ground like El Chapo in a tunnel, eating about 12 tacos. I'll put you in a box like a gato. Punchline stay in my mouth like Mr. Sacco. Jay thinks he runs Christian hip hop. He wears white socks when he wears his flip flops. And he looks like Suge Knight. I put him in a chokehold and say goodnight. It's not music, but clothes that he started. I can find better shirts in a flea market. Okay, Google, who's the best rapper? Goya, rapping races full of slack.